What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Two Smart Dummies Podcast. As always, it's your boy Q. And it's your boy Big Facts. Betty, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Seemed like a long time since we recorded. I know, man. We we were going to get an episode out for Kobe week, but as 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 we were getting ready to record, the NBA decided to shut down, and we didn't didn't really feel right recording. Um, you know, in the midst of everything during the during the the boycott, and just didn't feel right. So here we are. Uh, it's yep. been a, been a lot going on since uh, since the last couple of weeks. By the way, what what was your thoughts on that uh, on the boycott last week? Uh, at first, when it first happened, you know, I thought it was kind of shitty of the Bucks, you know, not to let anybody know. But then the more I thought about it, I mean, I, that's how a protest needs to happen because you know the Celtics and the Raptors they were planning it out two or three days, giving these networks and everyone chances to prepare, and the Giannis and the Bucks just you know, did it, and it made every, it forced every, it was a shocker, you know, wake-up call, so the more I thought about it, man, I'm with it, I just think that maybe they should, it should have been more of a, a players union thing, like, they should have talked about it and kept it a secret and been more unified, um, I think that would have been better if they would have unified and all the players would have did it, you know what I'm saying, came together, because I think it made the Orlando Magic look kind of stupid to be out there ready to play, it's like, oh, the Bucks were with it, but the Magic weren't, but they didn't really know nothing about it, so I just think it's, it's shitty from the players to not include everybody, at least include the Magic in it, so they don't look stupid out there, but I mean, obviously, it, it forced some type of change. I don't know if it's the change that everyone looked for. You know, you always get these radicals that be like, well, it wasn't enough. They should have did this. They should have did that. They did something, man. They forced these, um, they forced protests across all different types of sports. Um, it forced the, the league arenas to have, because there was already going to be, a, a, I think, a couple of arenas that was going to do it, but not every arena. Now you got every arena in every major city opening it up for voting. Um, so I think it was a good thing, man. Yeah, um, so apparently there's like a riff between the younger players and LeBron, basically. Um, you had reports that LeBron walked out of the meeting because he was pissed that they didn't have, and it wasn't even that they didn't have a plan, it's just that they didn't, that LeBron felt blindsided because they didn't run it by him. Um, and, you know, you got cats like Jalen Brown who are like, you know, I'm sick of this shit. He's like, and he's not talking about the pro. You know, he's talking about the hierarchy of the NBA. He's talking about. He mentioned he's tired of the incrementalism, um, and he, the, you know, a lot of the younger feel, players feel like LeBron is trying to hijack the the protest because, according to reports, like the younger players were ready to be done with it. They weren't. They weren't going to play the rest of the season until um, they got some demands met. Um, but then, you know, of course, LeBron hijacked it. Um, talking about he called Obama and he came up with the idea of a plan and he was reading Malcolm X and Negro, you were not reading Malcolm X. Like we saw that you barely cracked open that book. And if you are 30, you know what I mean? If you're just barely? now reading the, you, you, you read Malcolm X, right? Yes. And if he's so just now reading he that 35, that book open at all? no, no, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? When 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 we and and this is probably common in the black community, but I feel like a lot of black men go through it. When we hit our like radical quote unquote stage, that's in our twenties. That's when when we are ready for a revolution. We you know what I mean? Like to be reading that now at thirty five is very unimpressive to me. And, and yeah. no shade, but like 
now I know you're doing it for show, right? And he's LeBron... Been doing, he's been doing this for a while, especially during the playoffs, the zero, black, whatever he does, yep. and he comes out with a book that he's not reading or hadn't yep. read, and kind of... Yep. It's, it is a theatrics. Like, when I first heard the news that LeBron walked out and said, fuck this, or whatever, I, I automatically felt like it was for theatrics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I automatically felt like it was for show. It, it was proven within hours after he did it. He said, well, it's not a final vote. And then things started to turn. But I, I agree, man. Like, these younger players, they, they want to get something accomplished. And I think the ho- older players are holding them back. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they're still thinking of business. And that, that for, for, that's good. I mean, you should think of the business mind of it. But these young players want real change. You know what I mean? Yep. So, like, Jalen Brown, was, I heard him say that, I mean, what's the point of us leaving if we're not going to actually be on the streets? If we're not going to be on the streets, then we might as well be in here playing. But don't everyone leave the bubble and then go home and tweet a bunch of shit. We're either going to go and be in the streets and be active or just stay here and play. Like, he, he Jalen Brown doesn't seem like he's really been for the bullshit. We're either doing something or we're not. You know what I mean? And that's that. you're, you're on to it by saying that a lot of these people are doing this for theatrics. Like, I don't, I don't think that LeBron is not active like we all know that lebron is active in the community and he tries to help and he does things but sometimes it gets too theatrical and that was the one thing that i i kind of had reservations with the whole protest is that i kind of felt like that it was shifting the attention away from the kenosha and on to the nba because for two days i think it was more of a distraction about the NBA and not so focused on the actual event because it gets lost. Like, we know what causes things to happen, but the cause get left behind when something like the NBA is the one doing the protest. You know what I mean? So that's all they talked about for like a day or two. And then it was mentioned about what happened there, but it was more about the NBA protest and more about what the reform the NBA got going. And since then, I hadn't seen much of how that affected the situation of Mr. Blake, you know what I'm saying? No one's been arrested. It did force a press conference. It, it forced him to reveal some information, but it didn't directly impact that situation, in my opinion. Well, and it can't, right? Like, that's... Those people don't understand. Like, they have to go through a legal process, which they claim that they are having an independent... Uh, 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 whatever. Come in and, and investigate the shooting, and that's part of the protocol, so they can't arrest anyone yet. Whatever. Like... Um, you know, I, again, I, I'm with you. I think LeBron is doing a lot of great things. Like, I'll never say that he's not active in the community and he's not an activist, but Monty Jones put it a great way, um, that I heard him speak on it earlier this week. He, uh, you know, LeBron James wants to be Muhammad Ali, but LeBron James needs to understand that he's not Muhammad Ali and he's not going to be Muhammad Ali. Um, you know, and he just kind of, place the parallels right he's just like you know muhammad ali when he was not going to be drafted or he decided he wasn't going to go to war he was willing to make you know decisions that affected business like he was willing to go to prison he was willing to lose his career he was willing to um you know go through a lot of things at 22 23 years old when he would be in his prime lebron wasn't doing that at 22 23 you know what i mean like lebron's 35 his prime five years of his prom exactly lebron doesn't you know lebron isn't at the stage where he has to give up everything or that he would give up everything you're talking about a guy who's probably on his on a track to be a billionaire very soon 
Um, Jalen Brown, on the other hand, and and the younger generation of players who, as I said earlier, are in that radical revolution stage. LeBron's got to get out of the way, man. This is no longer about him and the NBA. And if he, you know, is as smart as, I mean, I I don't want to phrase it wrong, but because he's very intelligent, but if he can figure out like there's going to be a post LeBron NBA within the next five years. I mean, yeah, that's. But I think the I think the NBA is in good shape, though. You know what I mean? Oh, it's I agree with that. Shape. He has to realize that. He has to realize that his days as the face of the NBA are coming to an end, and it is those guys who he needs to make sure that 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 gap is bridged in a different way than someone like a Chris Paul needs it bridged. You know, we're talking about the greatest or the second greatest player of all time, wherever you want to put him. We're talking about the level of magnitude, like that he needs to understand there's a generation coming up right after him and, and this isn't necessarily just his fight he doesn't need to be the spotlight of this protest see i look at it from a different i look i understand what you're saying but i think he does understand that and i think he understands that soon he's probably going to be an owner so he has to view it from both sides and i think that he's trying to bridge the gap which is not going to be a bad thing like we need more owners in the nba but I think he's already looking at it from that perspective because me and you talk about it all the time. He's already pretty much an agent. You know what I mean? But we all believe that after LeBron leaves the NBA, he's probably going to be an owner of the franchise, which is big because we talk about we need more owners. We need more GMs. We need, you know what I'm saying? We need more black faces. But I think he's already playing the politics of the game right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's, just, it's a tough situation. I do like the fact that this new – up and coming generation is so involved. I mean, we had like the Jordan era where they did everything quietly. LeBron did bring in the more political aspect, being more outspoken, um, you know, being more involved. And I think this next generation is going to take it to the next level. Um, The only thing that I'm cautious of is I don't want these, I don't want, because I talked about it on Uremi, is that it's not all the owners are on board with all this, you know, racial injustice, Black Lives Matter, and all that. A lot Adam of them Silver are Trumpers. Get, yeah, Adam Silver had to get them on board. If this bubble fails and they lose money, then they're going to reopen that CBA and it's going to get bad for some of these younger kids. And I'm big. I want, with with all these younger kids seeming to be more uh, politically aware, more willing to invest in the community, more being out, more outspoken. I also want them to increase their wealth like a LeBron. You know what I mean? I don't want to hold them back because that could help put money back in the black community, help with different organizations. Now, we know that they're not going to lose, you know, all their money. You know what I mean? But they can revert back to, you know, I don't know how this is going to impact the league and salary caps and some of these younger players. So I also want them to be, I don't want them to give up money for the political stance because people don't remember it. Like what Muhammad Ali did, that's great. We all applaud it. But they weren't trying. He didn't get his money back in like five to ten years afterwards. He struggled. That's why he was fighting until he was like 40 trying to make sure that his family was secure. When he eventually towards the end where he sold all his rights to his name and stuff. But he didn't just recover that money. You know what I mean? So it's cool to be like telling these kids that they need to do this and they need to do that. But when they lose money or they lose jobs or something like that, like people aren't like out really trying to help them. So I don't know. I'm not going to be the one to sit on the sideline and tell them what they should do or they shouldn't come back and play. I applaud the Bucks what they did. I applaud the NBA for what they did. But, you know, it's a business too. Yeah. 
And you know, quitting their jobs to stand up. We always want these players to do this and stop and stop working, but then we go to our nine to five. I mean, are you walking right. your job? Right, exactly. So you know, I, I'm with it. I you know, I think that the Bucks had to do what they did. Um, you know, it, Kenosha is basically Milwaukee. It's in their backyard. Like it makes sense for them. I agree that they probably should have let Orlando at the very least in on the secret. Um, but and you know, if you're Orlando, you can't take the forfeit. Right, like that's what the Bucks wanted. They wanted to take the forfeit, but now if you're Orlando, you can't be like, "Oh yeah, they should have played," you know. And now the other teams are in a bad spot too, because it's like, "Well, shit, we can't play." And so it just started this domino effect of, you know, teams feeling like, "Well, shit, we can't play. We we cannot go out here and do this." So then, yeah. Then the NBA but anyway. spin, spins it and said they canceled the games. They didn't cancel the game. Like Houston. Right. And uh, OKC had already gotten together and said they weren't going to play. Then LeBron tweeted it out. So you knew he wasn't going to play. So they had to get ahead of it and say all the games have been canceled. They didn't cancel. They didn't postpone or cancel. And that kind of took away from what the Bucks were doing. But that goes back to what I was saying. If they would have had a conversation with Orlando, maybe they could have convinced the Magic to take the forfeit for a, you know, for a bigger stance. But they mm-hmm. never had that conversation. If you don't have that conversation, that's like, well, we're not going to take your charity. You know what I mean? So I want to be right. a part of it, too. They could have told them, you are being a part of it by accepting our forfeit because it's bigger. You know what I mean? Yep. It's bigger for us to take the forfeit, for us to take the stand. So yep. got to have better communication, man. So let's get to this week, man. I feel like, you know, last week, it, uh, when we counted in pandemic weeks, feels like a month ago. So, yeah. uh <laughs> Today, the news broke that Steve Nash is the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I don't hate it. I don't, I, you know, I, everyone's going to make the parallel to Steve Kerr. Um, or, you know. Kerr had a, man, this, my, this is my problem with it. My problem with it is that it's, it's getting to the point where, shit, you almost going to need a Rooney rule for the NBA. You know what I mean? Uh, just because the fact that Jock Vaughn did an excellent job coaching, I think, and then as soon as the news kind of broke that he, they gave him an interview, then they snuck and hired Steve Nash. You know what I mean? So it was a token interview. Jock decided to stay on as Steve Nash's top assistant, but he has more coaching experience than Steve Nash. You know what I mean? Why didn't, why wouldn't he deserve a chance? And, and I know we have, like we were talking about earlier, we have five coaches currently, five black coaches currently coaching in the NBA. Um, out of what 32 is 32 teams 30 30 teams five out of 30 Um, used to be six Nate McMillan got let go he didn't get the benefit of the doubt of having his best player injured every year you know what I mean yeah he got a raw deal you know what I'm saying he got kind of a raw deal he was the fourth seed what did you expect him to do Victor Oladipo just coming back off injury he he wasn't even gonna play Sabonis 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 left you don't have him so two of your top players you're out there you know, fighting, okay, you get swept by Miami. Is that so bad now that they're 2-0 against the Bucks? <laughs> I mean, they're obviously a good team. So we had these names, but, the yeah, we have some black coaches in the NBA, but they're the same recycled names. Like, yep. there's not a lot of new coaches getting opportunities. It's not a lot of – Patrick Ewan didn't get an opportunity. It's not a lot of these black assistant coaches getting opportunities. Yeah, it's good like, Dwayne Casey and Doc Rivers are coaching – and um but jb bickerstaff only got the opportunity because old boy couldn't handle it <laughs> and you know what and jb bickerstaff's not a good coach like that that's the thing like he get and and you know i too am for more black coaches but i want to see more lord lloyd pierces i want to see 
up and coming. I want to see Tyrone Lue get another shot. Like I want to see more up and coming coaches. JB Bickerstaff has coached I don't know how many different damn teams: Houston, Memphis, Cleveland, and most of the time he starts off as an interim coach. But like I th- I'm pretty sure he said in Memphis he doesn't even want to be a head coach. Like he he's a better assistant. Like that's not a dude we want to see. I, I, okay, let me rephrase. I do want to see him get to the point that where he wants to be. But where are the the up and coming guys? Where are those assistants that should be getting their first time uh, uh, shots? Like but where even, are those guys but, at? But I'm like, like we're even harder on black. You know what I mean? Because like, look how we they, treated Fisdale. We, we don't think Bickerstaff was that good. You know, we don't think. Well, Fisdale I watched him in Memphis. Good. He wasn't that good. Fucking Brett Brown been coaching since 2014 right. and it's been right. trash. You know what I mean? And Mike D'Antoni, if he gets fired, if they, if they would have lost that game yesterday and he got fired today, well, Mike D'Antoni would get whatever he's, he's, job he wanted. They never resigned his contract. I mean, like he's he's he doesn't have a contract, so he's a yeah. So player. he he'll get he'll walk into whatever job he wants. Um, Brett Brown will probably get another job. Uh, you know, Luke Walton, if he got fired by Sacramento, would probably get another job. You know, and and, and Mark Jackson, Jason Kidd are still just kind of hanging out there like they weren't productive. Like how Mark Jackson doesn't have another job right now. Like he, he, I understand what happened, but there's no legit justification why Mark Jackson doesn't have a job, even if it's on a team on a rebuild team where because we he's proven he could do that. You know what I'm saying? He can mm-hmm. take a team, build them, teach them fundamentals. So any of these young teams, he's proven. Why couldn't he, he be in Chicago? Yeah, like, like yeah. why? Why he's his name doesn't even come up. So I, yep. I like to hear these stories that like Chauncey Billups is um, looking at a job. I mean, I thought Kenny Smith should have had a job by now. I mean, I think he wants. Well, to he wanted a GM job, he or he was GM offered GM jobs. He didn't want to coach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. He should have got a chance. He, you, <laughs> I mean, I'll take you a know, shot on him. But the thing is, like for for Kenny Smith, because I've heard him talk about it, because he was offered I can't remember which GM job. So it was Chauncey Billups actually, and they yeah. both turned him down. Because, like, it's kind of hard to pull these dudes out of TV. I mean, Kenny Smith is making a lot of money to do not a lot. <laughs> so, you know, and I don't know. what I think Chauncey Billups will end up in somebody's front office for sure. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the word on the street about him. He's just that talented of a dude. Like something so, happened with Chauncey. Maybe it was a family issue or something because he was a hot candidate. He, to, yes. To, to I, I think his daughter was, like, getting ready to graduate high school or something. It was like her. It just wasn't the time for him to take whatever yeah. VP role they or whatever role they offered him. That was the same time that he, because instead of taking that, he signed in with like the big three, and he was in there for like a couple of games, and he then he got out. But yeah, I man, I just I don't know, man. I'm just tired of seeing the same recycled names. I mean, I'm cool with Steve Nash. I think I'm really just pissed off because the Nets let go Kenny Atkinson, which isn't a black coach, but I thought Kenny Atkinson did well, and then Jock Vaughn. I was just so impressed with what Jock Vaughn did. I thought that he should, he at least deserved a better opportunity. You know what I mean? And even if it wasn't there, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe he wanted to stay, but to be a top assistant, I think he had a chance to get a job. But I think he also knows that, like, he doesn't, he wouldn't get a shot. You know what I mean? Why not just well, stay where you're at now on a championship team? Because if you go hit the market, maybe you don't even get a shot. So maybe it's better right now to be a top assistant on a championship team so he can actually get a legit shot. But my point is, I don't think he should have to prove himself to do that because he's already shown that he can coach. You know what I mean? Right, but Brooklyn, Katie and Kyrie have shown that they're not just because you can coach. That doesn't mean they want you to be their head coach. Like you know, at the end of the day, 
those two dudes are running things. And I guess for whatever reason, DeAndre Jordan is running things too. Um, but so, you know, it's kind of, hey, it, I, I, I know exactly how Steve Nash got to Brooklyn. I mean, he spent all that time at Golden State as a consultant. Yep. KD was there. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure that that's the quickest way to get that done. Um, yeah, and that's not – Steve. I don't hear a lot of people saying Steve Nash doesn't have any coaching experience, but it's, it's similar to, like, Jason Kidd. Like, he's a point guard. He knows the game. Like, he's probably one of the better minds in the NBA. He's played Absolutely. for a couple of different coaches and that system that he's probably going to run – um, that he ran the D'Antoni type system. I mean, it's probably going to be something similar to that because that's what he excelled in. I mean, you're putting Kyrie Irving and KD in that type of system, that Houston D'Antoni type system. It could be lethal. You know what I mean? But so, also, also recognize that like he has a lot to do with the influx of Canadian talent. Like he yeah. was a he he helped put together the Canadian team. He's helped he mentor a lot the, of the Canadian. Did he coach on the national team? Did he coach the national team? No, he he was like the the GM of whatever. Like he was a part of putting that that team together. Uh, but he didn't coach it. Um, but I mean, you're talking about like him being a mentor. Like he's like is it, is it Jamal Murray? That's his godson or Andrew Wiggins? Uh, One of them, RJ like. Barrett. RJ Barrett, that's right. Like, I mean, he he has mentored a lot of the Canadian players. Um, so, you know, he's de- in a way developed talent. He has connections. He's kind of that that person that you is exactly who you would want as your head coach long term. Because even if KD and Kyrie decide to leave, he's going to draw like the Jamal Tur- uh, Jamal Murray, RJ Barrett. Like he like Canadian players are going to want to play for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying. I don't like I don't like the hire because of like the things that I said before. I'm not giving real opportunity to these other people. But I don't don't get me wrong. I think he could be a good coach. I do have some questions about him coaching Katie and Kyrie with no previous experience. Not because he can't coach basketball. It's because they're strong personalities. And even being a consultant on the side is a lot different than being the head coach. You know what I mean? With two mm-hmm. of the more difficult personalities, in my opinion, to coach. So that's Absolutely. that's more of my my point is that I w- I don't know if I would have brought in a Steve Nash to this situation where you definitely are trying to win a championship probably in a three to four year window and you have a coach with no legit coaching experience of coaching personalities I don't doubt that he can he can call plays and run a team I would I would have liked to see him start in a developmental role like one of the like the Bulls or something like that to show that he can develop and win but, I mean we'll see so. All right, man, before we get to the games, um, got a little Twitter war going on, apparently. Uh, all of a sudden, our, Richard Jefferson came out and said that uh, Giannis is is Scottie Pippen and he needs a Jordan. And Scottie Pippen came back and said, no, Giannis, I'm not a two, Giannis is not me. I'm not, I'm not a two-time MVP, um, blah, blah, blah. But, the you know, the more important thing is which player were you uh you know kind of throwing shade and i guess you know i did see the comment i just didn't realize it was jay williams that that came in and said that lebron was pipping to, to d ways jordan which was just talk about a bad take just a bad fucking take like i mean that, jay that williams says some dumb shit it's so outdated that even wade has said that's late on yeah like come on man and I, I don't understand the people's need to bring LeBron into everything. Like, this had nothing to do with LeBron. This wasn't, like, you know what I mean? Like, this this just wasn't even the same thing. And for anybody to say 
Like anybody to realistically say like anybody carry LeBron James to a championship is absolutely laughable. Did someone hit a shot? Did someone play well? Did some you know whatever the case is? Of course, but come on, man. Like let's 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 be real. Yeah, I'm a huge D Wade fan, and man, I mean everyone knows the story as a Heat fan that after they lost to the Mavericks, D Wade went to LeBron and said, "We're only gonna go as far as you can take us. Take us." Don't worry about getting me involved. You are the alpha of this team. This is your team. And that's when the Miami Heat team truly excelled because in that first year, he was trying to share the load, you know, give Wade his proper respect. And Wade recognized that, hey, he is he is the best player on the team. He's the best player in the world. Why would I make him take a backseat to me when he's clearly – we're clearly going to go. That's why I wanted him here, you know what I mean? So, I mean, to, to further your point – yeah, I don't understand why people decide to bring LeBron, but I don't understand why people decide to bring Pippen in and kind of because they talk, they they say this Pippen thing like it's a sign of disrespect. Mm-hmm. Like Scottie Pippen was a bum, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like being Scottie Pippen is a bad thing. I like know he's a glorified like role Scottie, player or something. Yeah, I know he's like trying to say like he's the ultimate role player and he can't lead a team, but that's not totally true. <laughs> you know what I mean? In that in that next year that Jordan left, Scottie Pippen was fucking awesome. It's just mm-hmm. Bill Jackson didn't want him to take the final tot. But he was fucking incredible that season. He almost him. got to the finals. Yeah. And, I mean, it came down to that shot, but that shot with Coach, and he didn't take mm-hmm. the final shot, so that's what everybody take away from it. But you don't realize he was he carried them to the playoffs. He could have carried them to the finals. It would, He's not like this bum dude. You know what I'm saying? He is a top 50 player, so it's disrespectful because they want everyone. Jordan is the almighty. But, you know what I'm saying? Pippen is not a knock to be Pippen, so people gotta quit right. using that. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, I, no, I'm with you. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's one of the 50 greatest players of all time. So, <laughs> I mean, there's, I yeah, I don't get that disrespect either. So, I'm trying to say that he's a sidekick that he can't lead a team, and I yeah, just, I just don't think that's true. Because I mean, if you look, people like I said, people only see what they want to see. Because you take that away, and then you go to Pippen in Portland. He did a pretty fucking good job of leading Portland. They almost beat mm-hmm. the Lakers. Came down to mm-hmm. that, you know, the Lakers came back. I mean, he just wasn't put in a situation to be a leader. And if you're about winning titles, that shouldn't matter. You were who you were. You were uh, 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 Jordan has said he doesn't win without Pippen. Pippen doesn't win without Jordan. Jordan don't win without Pippen. It's not a you're Jordan, you're Pippen. Like, they don't win without each other. Jordan struggled before he got Pippen. He got Pippen. When Pippen developed into that role, then it allowed Jordan to be Jordan. So Pippen allowed Jordan to be Jordan. He wasn't having to guard the best player all the time. Pippen did that. Pippen would be the point forward. Like, Pippen did a lot of influential things to the NBA that allowed Jordan to be who he is. So let's stay on the Bucks. So the Bucks currently down 0-2 to the Heat. Um... Jimmy Butler put up 40 in game one. Uh, what, he finished with 12 points last 13. night? 13 points last night? Uh, but Miami, this is this is the series, right, where everyone was like, yeah, Miami's going to give Milwaukee problems. And the one thing that I am definitely starting to notice, and, you know, I've said this from the jump, like, I don't believe in Chris Middleton. After the All-Star break, I don't believe in Chris Middleton. I, I just, I think that Giannis I'm curious as to what the Bucks do. We've already seen the rumors that if the Bucks lose, I mean, you're talking about Giannis. You know, there's teams like Toronto and Miami that are interested. He's been linked to Miami for a while now. Um, and you and I have talked about how he's going to be watching other teams' work ethic and, and how they get down. Um, but if you're if you're uh, Milwaukee, excuse me, like, what's the move? Because 
there's not a lot of room to go get better. I don't think people are like fawning over Chris Middleton to give you, you know, a great piece back to him. They don't have any young talent. They've got to be one of the oldest teams in the league. All their role players. So I, I kind of said this the other day as I've been watching this series. Giannis is kind of learning what LeBron was learning in Cleveland. Like you can be the best player in the world with role players, but at some point you are going to need a second real deal player if you're going to want to compete, even if it's the East. You know, who I, um, when I was watching game two, you know who Giannis reminded me of? LeBron when they played the Celtics before he went to Miami. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking. You <laughs> can tell play. he's frustrated. You yeah. can tell that like he's kind of looking around like, like I, I so there was there was a play where I saw that exact same thing that you saw. It was when Wesley Matthews. I don't know what he was doing. He was driving to the rim, threw the ball somewhere else, like, and it was just a turnover. And I saw Giannis just go, "What the fuck am I doing, yeah. man?" I mean, so, Miami got Miami's bringing undrafted free agents off the bench, <laughs> like Derrick Jones and Duncan Robinson. Is their tenth man than, is is balling. You know what I'm saying? It's doing better than their role players. But I've seen this has been going on for a while with the Bucks, man. Um, it's literally been Brook Lopez, Middleton if he's shooting well or not, and Giannis. Mm-hmm. But Brook Lopez has probably been the most consistent player outside of Giannis. Middleton's been up and down. I mean, luckily, he, he tends to do better against Miami. He always has. But Bledsoe's hurt. He's not hurt. Yep. Um, like you said, man, they made the biggest mistake in the world. And I don't understand it. Maybe because they didn't think that – that uh, they thought that Brockton's injuries were more significant than they proven to be. And they didn't want to commit long-term money to him. But I can't for the life of me fathom why, if you know you have Giannis, why wouldn't you commit to the younger Brockton and let Bledsoe walk? You know Makes no sense. They, they had a lot of, they have a lot of similarities to their game, even with the fact of being injury prone. And he's younger. You know what I mean? He's younger, and he, I think he had a great season with the Pacers, even though he missed some games, some injuries. But you're getting the same thing with Bledsoe, who's an older player and who's been injured all his career. So you're willing to commit four years to a Bledsoe who's been injured all his career, and not a Brogdon who's at the beginning of his career and probably could get over that those injuries. Like it, it made no sense, and they lose him. Now they're stuck with Bledsoe. They're stuck with Middleton. You know what I mean? And they got Giannis. That's the core. Everybody else is just role players. And I feel like they've done the best they can to get shooters around. They got when they got Kyle, Kyle Korver. They got Marvin Williams. You know what I'm saying? Even Brooke Lopez, a stretch center. They got Wesley Matthews. They're doing what you're supposed to do to become a championship team. But none of those players step up to the pressure when they really need them to. And that's kind Which of the problem. You can be a shooter. Yep. But are you a clutch shooter? Corbin's yep. a clutch shooter, but he's past his prom now. He's 36 years, 37 years old. Yeah, they yep. don't have any clutch shooters, and you can just see it. Everybody knows the game plan. Orlando showed showed what it was. And the one key factor, I know that me, you, and Dave, David O talked about this at the beginning. My only concern with Miami has always been the same concern. Like, I don't know if I can always trust their offense. And But the Miami Miami is three and one against the Bucks, and their only win was without Butler and Dragic, and they still had to come back from twenty <laughs> at halftime. You know what I mean? So this is just a terrible matchup because Miami's going to be disciplined. They're not going to let you get those kickout threes easily. They're going to pack the paint, and when Giannis is in the paint, they're going to treat him like Shaq. They're going to foul the shit out of him, make him earn everything, and then they're going to shoot. They're going to shoot the shit out of the ball. And Tyler Hero's now stepping up. That was my concern. Dragic is playing like he's twenty-five. Jimmy Butler can take over the game when he wants want to. I mean, I 
I mean, they, they could change because you still have Giannis and Chris Middleton is an all-star. I mean, I know he shit on him, but he's an all-star level player. I, I just I just think this shows Giannis that they're, they're kind of in trouble for the future. I don't know if Giannis, I don't know what, like you said, I don't know what they can do to get better. Because if you trade Chris Middleton, are you going to get somebody better than Chris Middleton? What's the chance? Right, and it's, it's what we talked about, right? It's like, where do they go from here? Because, you know, you look at the, the East in 2020, it's going to be different, man. You you have a contender immediately walking into the door in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, Toronto is getting better. Uh, you know, uh, Toronto is a good team that's going to be in the mix. Boston is getting better. Uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both getting better. Now, they have other issues that they got to figure out. But the East, is, and we'll see what happens in Philly. I mean, we, you're talking about teams that, like, they're all kind of in the similar boat, and I'm not sure that Milwaukee's going to be the favorite, especially as they get older. So if you're Giannis, yeah, like I said, it is like 2009, 2010. You're kind of looking around. You're like, mm, this is an old-ass team with some role players who turn out to be very average in the playoffs, um, including Chris Middleton. So, But if you're a small market team, where do you go? Uh, you know what I mean? Because if you let Giannis walk, you're, you can't let him walk. You 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 have to. And in a in a in a world where Paul George is getting you a boat, you cannot let Giannis walk. Where Anthony Davis is getting you an entire brand new fucking franchise, you cannot let AD or uh, Giannis walk. Like at some point, like they have to go to Giannis and say, "Look, man, you either stand or if you want to go, we'll get you there." But you know, we if you're Milwaukee, you cannot afford to just let him walk in free agency. And I I, I doubt that they will. But this is the issue. When things like this happen, it's better to make that that uh, that move two years. Like it would have better. I understand why they couldn't do it because he was the league MVP. But for a small market team, it's better to make that move with two years on the contract as opposed to one. Because now, what are you gonna get as a one year rental if you're not sending him where he wants to go and he will not commit to an extension? then you're not going to get anything from him unless it's just the team reaching like the Raptors did to say, hey, we'll go out here and take a chance, and he may walk. The Raptors. But if you're Philly, why wouldn't you do that? Because Philly's Philly. Right, but my point, and it didn't have to be Philly, but if you're a team like that, why wouldn't you say, you know what, fuck it, we'll go, we'll go all in for one year if it gets us a title. If you're Houston, well, Houston can't do it, but teams, you know what I mean? How many teams are in a position to do that? The only team that I can see can do that they can really get some is the Raptors because the Raptors have a ton of young talent. They have some picks, and they ask, and he said, and the rumor is that he wants to go there, right? Miami, they can't really do it. They don't have a ton of shit to get. You don't think Golden State can offer something for him? I bet yeah. Golden State oh, could oh, get. We, well, we, we've talked about that. We talked about yeah. the Golden State package. I mean, if Golden State walks in, they have the best arsenal to do whatever they want. So Golden State can walk right in the door, and, you know what I'm saying? And you got to kind of take the deal. And Golden yep. State's the one to do it. Like, Golden State is the one to offer the package that Milwaukee can't say no, and they'll risk it for one year. And you get mm -hmm. Giannis for one year, like you get Durant in there. What's the chance you go in there? He has, he loves playing there. Y'all win a championship, and he'd be like, nah, you know what? I'm going to go to Miami. It's, and it's, the thought of Giannis Antetokounmpo with Steph Curry, uh, uh, Clay Thompson, Drake, like that, that is terrifying. Um, but you could get, man, I, I, man, you, you know what? You, you could get so much. You know what I mean? If he commits, if he's, if Giannis is really to say, hey, I, I want to leave, you know what I mean? And I want to help them, like kind of like Kevin Durant did for Golden State. 
he could help them get so much to rebuild from. Because if you can get Zach Pascal, shit, if you can even get a Draymond Green, uh, Zach Pascal, and all those firsts, or Andrew Wiggins, and a bunch of firsts, no, you might not compete next year. But then you will have the arsenal to be able to rebuild so you're not going to go back to being the Milwaukee before. You know what I mean? You can rebuild your franchise, draft well, um, trade away all those bad contracts to get that shit off your books. You do have to rebuild around Middleton. You may not like it, but you have to rebuild around Middleton. You know what I mean? You keep Middleton. You keep Bledsoe. Maybe get how, in- how, Wait, hold on. How old is Chris Middleton? Chris Middleton's like 30 years old, isn't he? How old is he? He's like only 28. No, because if if he's thirty, I'd say get rid of. I mean, shit, I I wouldn't build around Chris Middleton. I would I would blow it completely up and just see what you can get. But I I understand what you're saying. Chris, Chris yeah. Middleton's an all star man. I mean, um, before before Giannis got there, he was uh he was he was going to be. He's twenty nine years old. Shit, but he that's know, not a guy you're, you're rebuilding around. Yeah, but still, man, you can't just go. You can't just drop off. If you trade Giannis, you have to keep Middleton. I mean, even though he's twenty nine, twenty nine is like not. Super old. I mean, what, I just Jimmy don't Butler, think Middleton's. Like I don't think I don't think he's that guy. Like I don't think that Middleton. Like I think if you're trying to rebuild around Middleton, you're rebuilding to be a seventh or eighth seed. I mean, but that's 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 literally what you're doing though. Once you trade Giannis, you're not a championship contender anymore. You're no, no trying, doubt. So so you keep Middleton, you keep Bledsoe, just so you're a contender. So when you draft players, you can still be a contender. I mean, that's what Miami went through for about four years. You know, am you I man a contender? I mean, they are in 2020, but I wouldn't say Miami. Like, we can both say at the beginning of the year, neither one of us thought Miami was going to be this good. Like, no, no, but that, that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't know. You just got to have to build, and maybe you can lure a free agent in. But you're not going to trade Chris Middleton and then be stuck with Bledsoe because nobody's taking Bledsoe's contract. So you got to do a soft shit. rebuild. I would, I would take whatever Golden State. Yeah, of, of course. I mean, you. I'm not saying you have to get rid of everybody this year, but when you say build around Middleton, I mean, like, Middleton's not on my team in 2021-2022. See, that's, um, I, I disagree because that's what I'm saying. If you trade Giannis for a package from Golden State, right, and we all think that if they did, it would be something like Wiggins, uh, Zach Pascal, and a bunch of firsts. Your rebuild is the first-round picks you're going to get from Golden State. For that's sure. That's the money. But the, in, in, in order to keep contending, you keep Middleton. You put Middleton, Bledsoe, and Wiggins together with a young player like Pascal – when you say contending, what do you mean? Rest. Just contending for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, they're not competing for a championship. Maybe you get lucky and turn into the Raptors where you still make a two or three seed. Maybe Middleton needs Giannis to get out of his way to be a – I don't know, but you got to take a chance. You can't just get rid of everyone. You got to do a soft rebuild as a – as a um, like, kind of like OKC. OKC, that's a soft rebuild. They got rid of everybody, brought in Chris Paul, and if we are good, then we're good. If we're not, we got the draft picks. They kept Chris Paul because it's a soft rebuild. That's what I'm talking about. They need to do similar to what OKC did, a soft rebuild, where the real rebuild is around those draft picks, but you don't want to totally tank like the Sixers. You still want to be a relevant franchise, so if you do get a player in there, James Wiseman maybe. See, what if you trade for him and then you get the first, get that number two pick. You got Bledsoe, you got Chris Middleton, Wiggins, and you can get James Wiseman. Yeah. Or LaMelo Ball. I know you don't like him, but. You know what I mean? Nah, I, mean, I, mean I, I don't know what to think about any of these players in college that are coming in this draft. Like, I, I don't think any of them are going to be I – don't, I don't think this is a good draft class. I don't think it's as good as last year. I think that there's, this is going to be a good draft class for role players. Don't think it's going to be a great draft class for franchise players. I think you get – I think that this draft class has three top talent players in the top team. I don't know which three, 
It might not even be right. the three we're talking about. Right. I think that's what's going to make that, it a bad draft class because it's really yep. shooting the dice. I don't. It's not yep. saying that you're not going to get any talent. I think you're going to get three legit stars out of this draft, but they could come and pick three, and they could come and pick twenty-two. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean? you can, like, there's nothing that's going to convince me that it is or isn't Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, James Wiseman. Like, I think they all have holes in their games, and I think that if they I think that if this were any, like, if this was last year's class, who, like you said, was could become one of the best classes of all time, even if it was two years ago, like, these these guys probably aren't even top five players in, in those classes, so. I don't know. I quite, I think Anthony uh, Edwards is probably in the top ten, but back end. I think you always gamble on a player like James Wiseman. You look at Mark. Like, you think Madden. last year? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. mean, that, that, and that, that was – that was the only hole in that argument was that Bagley or Bagley is the only one that you can take out of that top five from last year and really be like, you know, yeah, we could do something else with this. But you're not taking any of them over Doncic, any of them over Aiton, any of them over Jaron Jackson or who else or Trey Young. Like you're not taking any of those dudes. No, over no, I guys. mean, I agree with that. I'm just saying a player like Wiseman, he's the only outlier. I think if you go yeah. safe, you got to go Wiseman because you don't find seven footers that move like him. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's got to improve in shooting, but I agree. Um, I right, mean, let's jump. You could be Anthony Bennett, though. You don't want that. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's jump around, man. Let's uh, let's get to um, to Boston real quick. Uh, let's Boston talk about Houston, the finale of the Houston game. Houston OKC last night. Yeah. So, um, like really terrible game seven. By the way, uh, it was entertaining down the stretch. Uh, here's a couple things. They're officiating last night in the Miami game as well as the Houston game was an atrocity. And one thing that this bubble is exposing, all these fucking challenges have got to stop. Like that, like that has got to stop. Um, there's just these games are starting to drag, and like two minutes feels like twelve minutes because every fucking play, somebody like the the one thing that is being magnified to me as a big time NBA fan in this bubble is how much these dudes bitch and moan Luka Doncic complains every play uh uh Russ in the game last night I mean all these dudes across the board just bitch and moan and it is it's like and every and every play has to be reviewed you tired of seeing these motherfuckers wave their fingers around and shit it's it's, it's got to stop but to the actual game go ahead well I was gonna say I I agree I was I was on the same thing last night but when you think more about it, though, it, it has to be hell for these officials because of what you just oh, yeah. said. Uh, yeah. Before, they were able to block out a lot of this bullshit with crowd noise and all this noise around them. Now, it's just like you hear them bitching every play, moaning yeah. every play. like, And then you start calling everything because you hear everything. You hear every slap. You hear every, you know what I mean? So, it's, it's, hard, it's harder for them, I believe, to do what they're used to doing. Because they're used to having a bunch of other surrounding noise, and it's just instinct. Sometimes I don't know if they even mean to do it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think it's just instinct. Like when uh, Chris Middleton shoots the shot, he, they might have heard something—a slap on the hand or the way he fall—and you're like right there looking at him, and you hear the fall, and you just—you know what I mean? It's just—I think that, I was. Yeah, I think the bubble has amplified the noises, and the refs are just calling these fouls because Giannis has literally been in foul trouble, like every game it feels yep. like james harden is always in foul trouble like all these star players are always in foul trouble and they're not looking at who they are they're just calling 
there was a there was a, a point yesterday in, in the Houston game, man, down the stretch, in 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 a five second span, three players hit the floor, uh, and and all like hit the floor with their arms up. Eric Gordon hit the floor with his arms up. Uh, Stephen Adams hit the floor with his arms up. Who else was it? I think it was either Chris Paul or Harden. I mean, all within a ten second span. You just like what is that, going on here, man? That foul, that foul that they call what was it? One second left on the clock, where Terrible. he had a chance to tie the game up. That was ridiculous because Terrible. yes, Harden was holding Chris Paul. Chris Paul never even made a move. Like how can you call a foul on a dude that never makes a move to go to the ball and is literally standing there calling timeout? And they called the foul beforehand. You know what I mean? It was the craziest and, thing ever. Let's talk about Chris Paul because he talked a lot of shit this series. A lot of it. And I noticed down the stretch of the game last night, game seven, he didn't want any part of that moment. Like, why was Danilo Gallinari shooting that free throw? I think Chris there- Paul was I think Chris Paul was burnt out. And I, I shoot Chris Paul some bail because he's not only playing basketball, he's also He's dealing with a lot of shit. I heard a story that like him being there, like all players come to him with all issues. So he's dealing with all this stuff that's going on outside, off the court. Like, they all come to him with all problems. You're coming off of a fresh protest. You got all this pressure. And he just looked tired, man. And I think the shot before that, he, like, missed badly on, like, yep. a little mid-range shot that he usually hits. I think he was Bounce just off the front of the rim. Yeah. And, and be that as it may, but you know what? You got to go down with your best player taking the last shot like i mean and that's what because isn't gallinari like a 92 percent free throw shooter though gallinari was terrible in this series like he had a couple good games where or a couple games where he made big plays but he was terrible last night about taking the last shot we're talking about a free throw i think gallinari is like a 92 percent free throw shooter maybe he is but i you know what's funny is when he shot that i knew he was gonna miss it because he hesitated that i saw that pressure hit him like he it was almost like he he double uh like double cocked it or something but Okay, see, listen, they got further than, they, than we thought they were going to be. They have holes. Um, Dort was a nice story, but Dort stinks if that's what you're going to depend on for offense. Um, and, and Dort really cost them that game at the end. Like, I just don't understand what he was thinking. Um, Talking about the shot? Well, the the shot made sense. I guess he was out of bounds on the, on the whole aftermath, so it didn't really matter. It, it just... Even it, like I think if he had caught that ball and landed in bounds, no one would have known he was out of bounds because no one had that angle until they so, went to replay. But this is the question: Didn't they get the ball back after that play? They did. They did. How? But they shouldn't have been because what was it? The foul? Nah, I can't he remember. Blocked it. He blocked after he blocked the shot. He grabbed the ball. He tried to throw it off of Harden. It missed Harden, but they got the ball back. Cause, uh, oh yeah, I don't remember how they got the ball back. Now I'm thinking about it. I don't remember either. <laughs> uh, that was what I yeah, did. I, but it, maybe it was. A, all maybe I'm saying is, man, I feel like it was a turnover. Like somebody did something stupid when yeah, he got the I, ball and this. I don't know. But Harden, Harden, as terrible as he was, and and I kind of mentioned yesterday, like just, I just don't think James Harden is built for for prime time, and, and you know. He does this every year. It could be one of those things where, you're, oh, you, you know, he carries so much load during the regular season. He's tired, blah blah blah. But man, this is this is who James Harden is every single year in the playoffs. He is terrible in the fourth quarter of playoff games. He is terrible when it comes to to, to uh, uh, closeout games. Yeah, he's terrible. It's not but, all playoff games. It's literally game seven. He's like awful. Well, and 
I will give him credit because he he was the reason they won on the defensive end yesterday. Um, you know, what do you think about this Rockets Lakers matchup? Because I thought this that this was a bad matchup for the Lakers, and I still kind of do, but I don't trust James Harden, and I don't really know what to make of Houston. Russ has still got to get himself into shape, and that's evident. He, you know, he's rusty. Um, but I don't know. Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon's missing something, and he, well, he, he I, is rusty. He didn't play in any of those games. He's coming off injury. He's trying to fight his way back. Rotations are all over the place. Once he started to find his rhythm, they insert Westbrook back in the lineup. So they're still trying to find their groove. Man, I'm, I'm going to tell you, like I was – I was wrong on the Lakers with Portland. I think some other factors tied in there to make me like make us look like we were totally off with the Portland thing. Um, but the one thing that the Lakers showed me is that I, I've underrated their defense all year. Mm-hmm. That defense that the Lakers played, it's legit. Like even with Alex Caruso out there defending, like Alex Caruso isn't going to do a lot on offense, but he did a great job one on one on Dame before Dame got hurt and whatever. Now. It's a lot knowing that on the back end you got Anthony Davis, Jamel, Javale McGree, and um, LeBron back there at the rim. And Dwight Howard. Yeah, and Dwight Howard. You have all these big men, so you can play tight defensively. Um, but the length, the length, and the way they move and the way they rotate on those shooters, they make it hard for everybody. Different story against Houston though, because when you play Portland. You can play off of Nurkic, you know what I mean? You can kind of play off of some players and then dare them to shoot it. Houston, everybody's hot all the time. I mean, you literally mm-hmm. got Daniel House, P.J. Tucker in the corner. You can't sit anybody under the rim. You can try to leave P.J. Tucker open. You can try to leave Covington open, but these are three-point shooters that's going to spread you out. So even though OKC, I mean, Houston struggled against OKC, I literally thought that was the worst matchup that Houston can get. They literally got the worst matchup they could get for them in the playoffs because OKC plays small just like them. You know what I mean? Their their small ball lineup is Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, Shai Gillis-Alexander. They got Gallinari out there. You know what I mean? So they can play that same style, and they're going to get to the rim. I don't think that's going to be the same thing with the Lakers. I still have some concern. I don't believe in the Lakers the way they've been shooting against Portland because even though Portland was good offensively, their defense is absolute trash. And LeBron and AD were shooting like 70% of them, 70% from the field after game one. Some of those Lakers games, the Lakers shot like 60% from the field. I just don't believe that's going to be the case when they play uh, when they play Houston. You know what I mean? Because I think Harden's going to – Harden, they have more than one player that can score one-on-one. You know what I mean? You got Westbrook. You got Harden. You got all these shooters around. So I think Houston poses a different type of threat than, than um, Portland did. And I think Houston's defense, perimeter-wise, in order to be on LeBron and play them is a little bit different. So I think that they can give, because AD seems to struggle with smaller guards that can defend his handling, as opposed to bigger people that try to block his shots. So putting Robert Covington on him, I think will be a bigger challenge than anybody Portland can throw it. But like I said, I've underestimated the Lakers, and I think that defense could be a problem. It's just one of those series. I don't know. Like, I think Houston give them some problems, but it's going to be a it's a matchup of styles. Which style prevails? Because Houston don't got nobody at the rim that can stop fucking LeBron from driving and dunking on them every fucking play. So. And that that's the thing. That's the thing for me. It's like we we did talk about, you know, you can let AD and, and LeBron get whatever they want. Uh, and you, you just have to be able to outscore them, which Houston certainly can. But 
I'm not confident, man. Like I said, I don't trust Harden. I don't think that, I don't like what I see from Houston right now. I agree that OKC probably wasn't a great matchup, but the, the only hesitation that I have of me saying the Lakers are going to win this series is, or definitively win this series, because I do think they'll win the series, but uh, the Lakers offense just shit. Uh, when, well, like when it's bad, like if LeBron and or AD have a bad game, like it is over. Uh, like there's just nothing that there's no one on LA that they can bring in that can get them like that, you know, can come in and be like, Oh yeah, he's going to get us 15, 20 tonight. Kuzma ain't that dude. What's that? KCP's yeah. Yeah. But you know, I just, I don't believe that the Lakers are going to shoot like they shot against Portland. Like, I don't, I mean, they had some like the, the third game fell on like Mambo day where it felt like the. The ghost of Kobe was in the arena, and they shot like 70% from the field. When the score hit 24-8, to 8, they just literally couldn't miss. I mean, I know a lot of that is because nobody can stop LeBron and AD, and that's going to shoot the field goal percentage up. But, I mean, Kuzma, uh, KCP, everybody was literally hitting everything. You know what I mean? They they shot lights out. And I mean, if they're going to shoot like that, I don't think anybody can beat the Lakers. I mean, if we're being serious, like if the Lakers shoot like they did against Portland, I don't think anybody can beat them, not even the Clippers. Because if they're going to shoot like that and their role players are going to shoot like that and allow LeBron to get in the lane whenever and AD's not going to miss any mid-range shot, he's going to shoot 80% from mid-range, the only hope you have is fouling them every time and hoping that they shoot that 60% from the free throw line. I don't believe that they're going to shoot like that. I just think Portland's defense is trash. You know what I'm saying? Nurkic can't guard anybody. Like, with that, not having Zach Collins really affected them on the defensive end because Nurkic can't hold anybody. You know what and I mean? None of them did. Like, Dame can't guard anybody. So like, nobody on nobody Portland can, can guard, guard anybody. anybody. And, and then even if when they d- did that against, like, they, I actually think Portland looked better when Dame wasn't in there and they could just focus on Dame. Once it was CJ, that first half, I felt like they looked a lot better than they did in the other games two and three because they had to kind of move the ball around. Now, in the second half, they got blown out. But I think the fact that they're going to have Russell Westbrook. And another thing is that defense they were playing, they were literally letting them throw it down to Nurkic. And Nurkic couldn't really do anything in the middle wide open. It's a lot different, man, when you got you throw it into Westbrook like that or you throw it into Eric Gordon. They can penetrate and shoot. I think it's going to be more difficult for the Lakers to defend Houston. Not saying that I know Houston's going to win because Houston has holes of their own. They can't defend anything at the rim. I do think they play good perimeter defense, but they can't stop anything at the rim. Yeah, which is Lakers' biggest strength. Um, so let's get to the Clippers in, in the Mavericks series. Uh so, A, Doncic is that dude. Real. Yeah, he's that dude. Um, I, said, I said he's like when Jordan played the Celtics and he hit the 63, even though they didn't win and they got dominated, everybody was like, oh, shit, he's coming. And you yeah, know he's coming. And, and I, I've been telling y'all, for those of y'all been listening, y'all know how I've been feeling about Doncic. Now it ain't. Now, it ain't like white man level love, because I noticed that white people, man, they just act like nobody else is playing. It's like, oh, da, oh Doncic, he, like, he is the next great white hope for them. Uh, I, you know, putting him in the like, top five players. In, uh, come on, man, slow down. He's a great player, and he's going to be a great player, but settle down, white people. Um, but Clippers, I wasn't overly impressed with them. I was impressed with impressed with Doncic. I think also losing KP hurt. Uh, that's going to be an Achilles heel for Dallas moving forward. Uh, is they got to get they got to get 
A, someone better than Tim Hardaway. No shade, Tim Hardaway. But they have to get someone better, especially with KP being a guy who you're probably never going to play a full season and who you really just hope to save for the playoffs. Um, he hurt his other knee, right? The meniscus yeah. in his other knee, not the ACL injury. Yeah. So I don't I, I I won't say much about Dallas. Uh, I think they got some things to figure out, but I do want to give Luca his props. He he is a for real dude. But let's talk about first, the Clippers. First player in the first plan to do thirty eight and eight eight thirty eight eight and eight or something like that. Something yeah, ridiculous. I mean, Doncic wasn't fired, and he was hurt. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like in that game winner where he what what did he put up in that game winner? Yeah, it was like a, a massive triple double. Hit the last he shot. Like thirty eight or forty point trip. I don't know. Yeah, that step back I mean. Yeah. So, but if you're uh, if you're the Clippers, how do you feel right now? Because I don't feel like they played their best their best basketball. Kawhi Kawhi Leonard is playoff Kawhi Leonard. He's he's at, at you know he's in playoff form. But Paul George, no William catch man. Like you just uh, who was it? Uh, who was it that was saying? Man, somebody I was listening to somebody and he was saying that if um, like. You're not a superstar if it doesn't surprise me that you score 30 or 13. Like, and that's Paul George. Paul George may score 30 in playoff game, and he may score 12 or 13 points. And, you know, you look at, like, what is Kawhi thinking right now? Is Kawhi like, yeah, this is, I, I'm going to have to do this on my own. Um, is it too much Reggie fucking Jackson? <laughs> like, because the Clippers have some issues right now. Yeah, I think they do, but I think a lot of that is just because they haven't been together. You had like well, hell, I was saying like, that all season. Well, no, I'm talking about, but even in the bubble, I mean, Montrez Harrell's been gone. He just came back. Lou Will is working himself back. Patrick Beverly came, was there. Now he's not. You I mean their rotation has not been consistent all year, and I think that that came. To, but then I, I saw Ka- I saw the change in Kawhi when it went two two. Kawhi went into fucking mode. I'm mm-hmm. happy to hear you. And that's pretty much what he did when, when Kawhi decided, like, okay, I can't coast. Because, you know, we know that Kawhi kind of coasts sometimes, try to save himself. And after game two, he was just kind of like, fuck it. And when he did that, I mean, it's kind of over. You know what I'm saying? When Kawhi focuses in, so when we talk about who's pipping, I mean, if we want to use that phrase, that's what PG is. Like, PG, you should not be dependent on Paul George. It's not a Westbrook situation where you need him to be more. But even, like, even we go back, I used to argue with Westbrook. You know, we had that argument before. I said, go back and look at Paul George's stats. Like, Paul George is known in the playoffs for shooting 16%, not playing good defense, you know, just not shooting sometime, and just falling back to role player status. And I think that Kawhi realized that now. Now, luckily, I believe that as it goes, Lou Williams going to get in his stride. Um, I like Reggie Jackson, what he brings. I like Montrez Harrell. So I think this team is deep enough. I think... I think that uh, Luca posed pose like a, a unique challenge. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't get no him out of the lane. They don't have anybody. I mean, you could put Kawhi on him, but then you're gonna burn Kawhi out. I don't think Kawhi can even keep Luca because he's a big, stout dude. He you know is, I mean? man. He's, he's a big dude. Like, and anytime, any, I don't care how good of a defense you are, if you can't stop penetration in the lane, it's gonna cause you trouble. Cause that's what it's what it's about. If you can get in the lane when you want to and keep kicking it out to shooters, even like Tim Hardaway and Trey Burke, you make it easy on all your role players. And they just couldn't keep Luca out the lane. Luca controlled every game. He did whatever he wants. But he's a unique talent. You know what I mean? The Celtics. You know what I'm saying? He's a unique talent. So I don't know if we can say that there's something wrong with the Clippers or that Luca's just that dude. Because when Kawhi turned it over, those last two games, they made short work. Yeah. 
and I, you know, I I think I think if a gun gun to my head now, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, I, and this isn't too far of a limb to go out on, but I do I do think it's going to be Clippers Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I think I that's think, the matchup. Yeah, I mean, if if Portland wasn't gonna take them out, I thought Houston could give them trouble, but I don't know. I'm still I'm not totally out on Houston because like I knew going into this matchup that OKC was the worst matchup that Houston because you're playing against Chris Paul who controls everything you have three legitimate defenders so I knew that OKC was going to be a tough matchup for Houston but I feel the same way for Houston against the Lakers I've always said all year I know we've had this argument I've always said that I believe that Houston is a bad matchup for the Lakers because Houston shoots 55 threes a game (laughs) And if they can just control and keep the Lakers shooting percentage down and force them in some bad shots, I think Houston can give them real trouble. The Clippers-Denver matchup, as good as Jamal Murray's been, I'm not I'm not going to be surprised if the Clippers sweep Denver. Because Denver have, is a lot worse than I thought. Um, they should not have, like the Jazz, I applaud everything that Donovan Mitchell did. Donovan Mitchell was incredible. He led the, the bubble in scoring. Applaud. But there's no way they should have took – no way that the Jazz and that team playing like six players should have took Denver to seven games. That, no. that team has some holes in it. Jamal Murray and, is awesome, but – But it takes Jamal Murray too long to get going. Like, like the the, yeah. the thing I noticed is Denver is like out of game sometimes or like almost too far. Like it shouldn't have come down to those fourth quarters for Denver. Yeah. Um, and as much as I like Jokic – Jokic's got to be fucking assertive. Or they need to say, yo, you're the number two. Murray is number one. You're the number two. And we figure everything the fuck else out. I think Jokic's okay with that, though. And he probably is. But I think that they need to build their offense around that then. Because it's still dictated around Jokic. And if Jokic isn't going to be that guy, they need to figure out. Now, the other problem for Denver is... I am starting to understand Michael Malone's issue. Because... uh, MPJ's great on offense. That motherfucker can't guard me on defense. Like he's terrible. Like he doesn't even know what he's doing on defense. Yeah, like he doesn't even like. Yeah, he he's just like Donovan Mitchell. Literally targeted him every time he was on the court. Every time he was on the court, he went at him every single time. Now the good thing is, in those last two games, he learned that you can rebound, you can do other things to get yourself going and be uh, to a tribute. But you're right. Denver has that hole, and they're like three, four positions, small forward, power forward position. Do you play Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, who you're better defensively but may not give you nothing on offense? Or do you play Michael Porter Jr. and Torrey Craig, who can provide shooting and spacing but probably not going to do that great on defense? Gary Harris coming back, even at 60% of whatever he was, was a big factor for Denver. He came yep. in and he at least gave them more versatility in their rotation because if, even if Gary Harris isn't scoring, you know Gary Harris is going to play defense. You know he's going to give them trouble. So Gary Harris being back, I just don't know how healthy Gary Harris is. You know what I mean? Uh, Gary Harris, because they tried to start Monty Morris, but then that takes a lot away from your bench. I mean, it's just it just messes up your whole rotation. So Gary Harris does offer some stabilization. I, I don't see this team... They'll be lucky to win one game against the Clippers. Now, I've been wrong. I just don't see how they win more than one game against the Clippers because they can't defend. And At Jokic, all. Jokic isn't going to – Jokic is the Jokic is the player that could dominate this series because I don't see if Patrick Beverly come back, he's going to give Jamal Murray trouble. He's going to cut the oh, head yeah. and snake off. And Jokic yeah. is going to be the one that needs to be aggressive. And he hasn't shown me that he's willing to do that. 
They hadn't shown me toughness where if the things get physical, when the Morris twins and Montrez Harrell start pushing them around and frustrating them, I hadn't seen that they can respond to that. So I don't I mean, see a scenario what, where Denver is beating either LA team. Yeah, I, don't, I, just, I just don't see that they can beat the Clippers. Now, I could be wrong. They could prove me wrong. But I think the Clippers in this in four or five games, and you're going to get the Clippers, and more than likely you're going to get the Lakers. Yep. Um, but I'm not all the way out on Houston like you are. I want to I'm, to I'm with you. I need to I, see. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know that it would shock me that if, if Houston beat L.A. I don't think they will, and that just comes down to what I've seen. I, I know that – when it is time, when it when it's time for you know your ass cheeks to tighten up, I just don't trust James Harden. I trust LeBron more than I trust James Harden, and that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm uh, just saying, I I just still I can't help but look at the styles because when you looked at Portland and you look at Lakers, yeah, Portland kind of played Houston styles, but they're still starting two big men. They're still starting Whiteside and uh, Nurkic, which gives them nothing, you know, at the power forward position offensively. Houston is going to spread them out. I don't know if they're going to be able to play JaVale McGee. I think Anthony Davis is going to have to play center, and then you're going to have to be small. But when you do that, which one of those guards can shoot? You know what I mean? Which one of those guards are going to help you shoot with Houston? Is KCP going to be the one that can give you 20 a night? Danny Green going to effectively give no. you 20 a night? You know, no. what I mean? is, is Alex Caruso going to be that guy? Like, I don't nope. know if Houston is shooting at the 38% that they usually shoot at shooting 53s. I mean, that's trouble. And they're so, going to get to the rack and get people in foul trouble. You know Harden's going to be ultra-aggressive. Maybe. He wasn't last night. So. I mean, but it's kind of different, man. They I, have, I'm with they you. They have Steven Adams under there, you know what I mean? I'm with you. Um, let's jump to the other side, man. Uh, I don't really want to stick on this series too long. I actually don't want to talk about any of the Eastern Conference first-round series. that They all pretty much went chalk. Um, except for... I do want to talk about Boston Philly. Uh, I don't know. Man, Boston looks fucking good. Uh, they just do. And, and the way they're beating on Toronto like they are currently, I, I, I actually thought Toronto would win this series. I thought the loss of Gordon Hayward would hurt Boston a lot more than it has. But Kimball Walker has come in, and, and even though he shot really bad last game, um, you know he's given them just enough to, to get where they're going. And Jason Tatum, man, he and Jalen Brown are, are – hitting another level um but if if you're philly what the fuck do you do uh because like we talked about with with joel and b i don't know if he had a moment where he looked around and was like yeah i don't want to be here and and so that is one of the underlying factors of this bubble and paul george talked about a little bit i think that this bubble is different a lot of players are dealing with some shit that they typically don't like they're they're around dudes that either they like or that (laughs) Or, or that either they don't like or do that they like, but they don't like being around this much. So yeah. I, I'm fully aware that a lot of these guys probably are, are ready. Are, like, this is tough mentally. Uh, but And just because they're on your team does not mean that don't you mean they like, like you. them. And yep. don't mean that spending all day with them all the time trying to show unity in the playoffs is something that you want to do. <laughs> yep. And so if you're Philly, though, what, what, do, you, what do you do because – I know one thing is I did not like seeing what I saw with just Joel Embiid on the floor. That's not that's not to say I'm not going to go down the path of Joel Embiid is over whatever because I think he's a great player. I think that he needs to be motivated by another great player. But um, if it's a team with like if I'm a team that would even trade for Joel Embiid or if I'm Philly, 
I think I know now that I don't want just Joel Embiid. Like, I wouldn't move Simmons to keep Embiid. I would move Embiid to keep Simmons. Well, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole because Elton Brand came out and said that they're not moving either one of them. So if Elton Brand's And they probably shouldn't. I mean, if Elton Brand's not getting fired, then it's not even a conversation. They did well, he's been reassigned. Did you see that? Who? Oh, Tyrone Lou. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's no longer the GM, so they're going to bring in a new GM. He is like, he's still the VP of basketball operations, mm. but they've given that, that GM role to someone else. Because you and I were going to do an episode about how this whole process has gone, and Brand's been there for three years now, and I can tell you exactly the worst move that he made was that Tobias Harris trade. They're, like, even at the time, that was not a great trade, as much as they gave up for him. Um, Lost Larry Shamit. Uh, yeah, really and good rookie that could have been shooting. The, the Jimmy Butler thing didn't work out, and Jimmy Butler starting to look like a dude who. Yeah, we'll talk about Miami in a minute, but Jimmy Butler's the one that led them. He was the one hitting all the big shots last year to take them as far as, far as they went because that was last year was when Ben Simmons disappeared multiple yep. games. So Jimmy Butler was the one that got them over the hump against the Celtics, I believe, and then helped them to get to Game Seven. Um, against the Raptors. So Jimmy Butler was a big part of that team. And if you're Philly, I feel like you have to keep them together one more. You kind of have to run it back one more year to be fair to a new coach. Like if you're going to bring in a new coach, you got to see what what he can do or she if it's Becky Ham. Uh you got to see what they can do in with with the new system with these players, right? You can't just pull the plug and say, "All right, we, you know what I mean?" Like you you kind of have to give it one more year, but but if you give me a um, year, you did the first step. You got rid of Brett Brown. He's not the one which was necessary. too much of a pushover. Um, even though, even bringing in someone like Tyrone Lou, who's used to handling personalities. personalities. So, I mean, that's more of what you need. I mean, I don't know if you need – you do need some X's and O's, but you can get that with whoever assistant coaches he bringing in. But you need someone that can handle large personalities between Embiid and Ben Simmons because that's a lot of the reports what was going on uh Josh Richardson saying there's no accountability in the locker room I've heard Tobias Harris say some similar things Al Horford there's no accountability for people's actions they kind of it feels to me like they just kind of let Joel Embiid do whatever he wants and when he gets in his mood you know what I mean so I Mm -hmm. think they need a coach in there that can handle personalities that's one point two if you're not going to trade Embiid and you're not going to trade uh Ben Simmons you got to move Tobias Harris He's the most valuable player on the team. They made a mistake, in my opinion. I thought it was a mistake when they did. I thought that they could be a great defensive team without Horford. It didn't turn out to be true. So it's, it's a mistake now. You just committed all that money to an older player who didn't help you out, who you was bringing off the bench. You, you probably can't move him. I'm not going to say no contract you can't move, but I just doubt that you can move him. But for some reason, people love Al Horford. So I wouldn't doubt that you but can he's move washed, him. dude. Yeah, but people love him. They love him. Yeah. There's He's a, a good locker room, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But I would move Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson. See if you can package those two players together to kind of bring somebody in. If if Milwaukee Bucks will take Josh Richardson and uh, Tobias Harris and a couple of firsts for a one-year rental with Giannis, I don't know if that shit works, but fuck it. Do it. You know what I mean? But you got to get off some of those contracts because right now you're paying Ben Simmons, you're playing Embiid, you're paying Tobias Harris, and you're paying Al Horford. You know what I mean? You're kind of stuck where you're going to have to get, get get off some of those contracts. But I just – I don't know – I don't know where you go. They need a playmaker, a point guard, because if you want to move Ben Simmons around and take him off the ball, do you need somebody better than Shake Milton? Even yeah, Shake Milton Shake, ain't that guy. 
I think he's a good bench player. Bench player, yep. But he's not the playmaker you need. You need a playmaker at point guard. You need somebody that can handle the ball. So when Ben Simmons is not in the game, they can run some pick and roll. You need somebody that can shoot the ball. So when he's in there with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, he can be a spot-up shooter. You need some versatility at the point guard position. I just don't know how they get it. Shit, if they can trade Tobias Harris to get get into that top three position to get LaMelo Ball, that might help. At least they'll get some shooting. Nobody's giving up that much for Tobias Harris. Like, Tobias I, Harris, like, since... Know, man, Tobias Harris was that guy this whole bubble. <laughs> like, go look at his He stats. was good. I, I mean, no, he, no, I'm not saying he's butt, but I, I'm not saying that's like you think that one of these top three teams are going to give up, like one of these these teams that uh, have a high draft figure and give it up for Tobias Harris. Are you for Golden sure, State makes sense, but are you for sure they ain't taking that him? Uh, the Charlotte Hornets, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Chicago Bulls are going to make sound decisions? I mean that's a fair point. That is a fair point. It would. I mean nothing especially, them fools do would shock me. Especially Jordan. I think Jordan's at three, right? You call yep. Jordan with somebody like Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson, you think he's just gonna be like, nah, hang up in your face? Like Tobias I, is. I, he paid Batoon a hundred and something million dollars. And chose Terry Rozier over uh, Kimball Walker, but I get it. You yeah. know what I mean? So so don't act like. Jordan's just gonna be like, no, I don't want Tobias Harris. Yeah, we'll see, man. I, I'm with you. I don't know what Philly does. I don't know what Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson brings back. Um, it's gonna be an interesting offseason in the NBA for sure. Uh, I think that there's gonna be. I mean, this. I think that this is the offseason that we watch. What happens with Giannis? I think that um, you know. I, I'm curious to see who Philly names as their coach. Well, I, I know a trade that I would like. I mean, something, if you could swap Tobias Harris and Tim Hardaway Jr., just something light. I mean, it's got to be something else with it. But put Tobias Harris in Dallas and Tim Hardaway Jr. in six with the Sixers, I think that that helps way more than it hurts. Because Tim Hardaway Jr. is a nice spot-up shooter. He can score off the dribble. Tobias Harris would be that third playmaker that Dallas needs. I think that's something that could help both teams immediately. You think Tobias Harris is a playmaker? Bro, why are you sleeping on Tobias Harris? Tobias Harris is a big reason that the Clippers made the playoffs yesterday when, last year when they thought they sucked. Before that trade went through, Tobias Harris was the one that was leading the Clippers. He was he was averaging like 20 and 10 a game. He was literally leading the team. And oh, I, again, I don't think he sucks I just, uh, at all. Even even when Ben Simmons got hurt, he's he was the most consistent player on that team. Even when uh, I think Tobi- even when Joel Embiid was struggling, it was Tobias Harris that was keeping them in games. Like when Tobias Harris went out against the Celtics, they went on a 12-2 run. He's literally the reason why they didn't win. He was keeping them in the game. He hit his head. He went out for like five minutes. They went on a 12-0 run, and then they were out of the game. Tobias Harris is important to that team. I think. If they lose Tobias Harris, like I'm saying, I think they'll trade Tobias Harris because that's what the Sixers are going to do. But there's going to be the same Jimmy Butler effect. They're going to find out that Tobias Harris was the glue that was stabilizing everything. I think when you get rid of Tobias Harris, you might end up being much worse because Tobias Harris has literally been the most stable player on that team, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that maybe there's just lineups that that Philly runs that I just have not liked him in. And I, I, I think I just need to go back to seeing him outside of Philadelphia to like understand what role he would play for because I hate the role he plays in Philadelphia. Like I'm just saying, they, he's he's good for Philadelphia because there's literally nothing he can't do. Maybe you expect more yeah. of him, but 
He does everything. That's why I said he's the glue. He can hit the outside three. He's a great. He's a perfect third player. Mid range. He can play defense. He does everything. That's why he was so great with the Clippers because you have all those role players that couldn't score and you just let him score and then he plays defense. He was good in Orlando. You know what I mean? He was really good in Orlando. Now, if he goes to Dallas, I think he'll be a perfect fit in Dallas. With uh, yeah, no, I I was I was my hesitation was more of. I don't know what Tim Hardaway does for Philly. Like I, I don't. I think Tim Hardaway is a good role player. A good role player. I just. You need a- I, I, I don't know what his value is in in a trade scenario. Who Tim Hardaway? Yeah. Shit, a roster match like you. I mean, a, a salary match yeah. like you always. You getting a, you getting a pick. I don't know. I think Dallas don't have another pick until what? I don't think they have another pick they can trade until like twenty twenty five or something. But uh, I guess. Because is it this year that the Knicks have Dallas pick? I think it's this year right. and then 2022. So it would be like 2024 is probably their next tradable pick. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, all right, man. That's what we got. Anything before we get out of here? Uh, the awards, man. You got Nick Nurse winning coach of the year. Giannis winning defensive player of the year. Uh, Brandon Ingram winning most improved player. Uh, I thought that should have been Devontae Graham. Or, or I, I think it would have been him or Ingram. I, I'm fine with either of those two. I mean, literally, I thought it should have been Graham, but the fact that Graham tailed off the second half of the season, I think he got that's tired. I, I think that's when he lost it. Uh, Bam would have been a good pick. So Bam came in second. It was either Bam or Brandon Ingram, but I'm I'm cool. I thought Brandon Ingram should have won it. Um, I've been yeah. saying that. So, I mean, early I thought it was Devontae Graham, but he did tail off, and Brandon Ingram kept it going. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that one. Defensive player of the year, I don't know if I agree with Giannis. I mean, I think Giannis is great. Um, he did do a lot, but who I mean, I who else would uh, like Anthony Davis? Like who who was the yeah. defensive player of the year to you? AD. Yeah, I mean, AD. I liked AD what AD did. Um, I really like Ben Simmons. I know he didn't get it because he was hurt. I really think Ben Simmons was defensive player of the year this year. Ben Simmons. I mean, was I think lockdown this year, bro. <laughs> yeah, d- that's the underrated part. And, and I, th- I I know people think we're crazy when we're like, you know, Ben Simmons is that good. Like literally, if he had a jump shot, he'd be probably the best player in the game you know what I mean? or yeah. or somewhere around like top five like that's how good ben, ben simmons, simmons is. is incredible bro like he's he, great he, he locks down probably he can guard one through five and that's Easy. another aspect in the playoffs you're missing ben simmons that's why that celtic series didn't go the way they didn't have ben simmons out there to give tatum trouble to you know what i mean they didn't, they didn't have nobody to stop that type of player Ben Simmons is underrated defensively, in my opinion. I thought Ben Simmons this Absolutely. year, I thought he was awesome all year defensively. I mean, he yeah, struggled on offense, whatnot. They might have had their trouble. Defensively, Ben Simmons was incredible. I understand why he didn't get it, uh, especially being hurt at the end with the bubble, even though it's supposed to be pre-bubble. That's what I'm saying, that it's supposed to be pre-bubble shit. That is pre-bubble shit. But I actually think Giannis got it because I think LeBron's going to get MVP. I know all the odds are for... Uh, Giannis to be the favorite to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year this year, but I truly think that he got Defensive Player of the Year um, because LeBron's going to get MVP. Yeah, and I'm good either way. I mean, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> I, I think I think LeBron should get it um, because we've seen that Lakers team without him, and he's we've seen where they were last year, and the Bucks were able to kind of stay afloat when Giannis missed games. Um, the Lakers are legitimately dumpster fire trash Cleveland Cavaliers style bad when uh, he's not or when he's not if he's not playing. So, um, so, so you know. my question to you is: 
do you think Milwaukee comes back against Miami to win this series? I don't, um, but I think that it will go six or seven games. I, I, it wouldn't shock if it got back to 2-2 and we need – you know what I mean? I, I think Miami will win this series. Um, I don't – just because I just – I don't see it with Milwaukee. I, I think that, like you said, they've kind of, you know, the blueprint has been laid out how to neutralize Giannis. Uh, he's going to get his numbers, but they're not going to be as effective. And there just comes a certain point in the game where you can say, hey, everybody else can beat us, but it won't be Giannis. So um, my thing is, um, I'm a big Heat fan. I love him. And I think that the Heat, given that Heat, the two, this two game cushion on a neutral site is big. You're not traveling anywhere. You can keep it going, you can keep momentum going. So I think that's big for the Heat. Because the Heat is very much a rhythm team. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's very much staying in rhythm. My concern is that they do have some lulls in offense. Uh, For sure. Where they can go like long periods of time and not scoring. But defensively, they're always going to be there. So I think the big thing with the Bucks is they have to win the next two. You know, they can't split 1-1. Because the more no, yeah, if it goes Miami, down 3-1, I think Miami wins the series yeah, in five. If it gets 3-1, then it's over. But if the Bucks yeah. can get to 2-2 two, two, and kind of take some of that confidence away from Miami where they're kind of – not Jimmy Butler because you know what he's going to do. You even know what Gordon Drogic's going to do. You got to take some of that confidence away from Tyler Hero and these other players. But I, I said it when the trade happened and you kind of shitted on me. I said I thought the biggest addition in that trade wasn't Iguodala. I thought it was Jay Crowder. Cause Jay, Jay Crowder's Crowder, been very good. He adds a different level of confidence, and he has the same mentality of Jimmy Butler. He, he's not going to pass up a shot. You're not going to break his confidence. He can guard anybody. I, when I got when we got Jay Crowder in that trade, I thought that was a bigger deal of getting Iguodala because I know what Jay Crowder has brung, and he's not scared of shit. And he has that same mentality, and I think he's brung that, that dynamic that they needed to get over the hump. Now, do I think they're going to win a championship? No. Do I think they can make the Eastern Conference Finals and make it tough for Boston or the Raptors? Yes. Now, I will say, I think that if Miami can beat um, Milwaukee, that they will at least go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> Mr. Obvious again. <laughs> what did you say about that shit? You said something about it. <laughs> That's the same thing as... <laughs> If they win, they're going to be in the next round. Yeah, you said something like, I know for sure if the Lakers beat Portland, they're definitely going to be in the conference. I mean, no, the, uh, the semifinals. Or some shit. <laughs> uh, all right, so the next one. Do you think the Raptors have, have a chance? Like, do you think that the Raptors are done after this two-game winning streak? I don't think they're done. I th- again, I think that's another series that, that could go six games, seven games. I think that uh, – Toronto's been a little bit exposed because Siakam is very limited on offense. Ooh, yes, uh, but very but in limited. His, in his defense, Lowry and Van Fleet has shot very bad. So it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and listen, this is what Kyle Lowry does. I mean, listen, Kyle Lowry is not a playoff guy. I mean, he he came through in the finals in, in the last game, but like Kyle Lowry is not. I'm more surprised we know about, about Kyle Van Lowry. Fleet struggling with his shooting. Yeah. yeah. If, but if Van Fleet, if and when Van Fleet does get hot, this is a different series. Uh, but yeah, Siakam needs somebody else because they're getting nothing from Marc Gasol. I mean, Serge Baca has been great. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's been it's been very up and down for them. I think Boston. I think Boston's just a tough tough matchup. As long as as long as um, Jason Tatum and and, and Jalen Brown are playing at this level and they can get something from. 
uh, 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 Walker. But the real key that 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 I think goes untalked about is Marcus Smart. Like what he does defensively and the havoc he creates when he's on the floor is next level. Yeah, I definitely think Marcus Smart has been the biggest factor is just giving those guards so much trouble and his toughness. Um, I think that they're going to make a change. Uh, hopefully, they sit Marcus All and they start uh, and they start uh, Serge Ibaka. But yeah, man, I, I think this I think this series goes seven. So I, I I don't think it's over. I think that Van Fleet will get it going. I think Lowry will get it going too. And I still I still got a lot of faith in this Raptors team. I don't think it's over. And I, no. I know that at some point in time the Celtics can start shooting bad. So. Yep. Yep. Now I mean, but I I also feel like they're in the same boat as Milwaukee, right? Like. You can't go down three one to Boston. You're gonna lose. Like you, you have to figure out a way to get it to two two, and, and then you got a shot. But if you go down three one or three zero, it's over. Obviously. I don't necessarily agree. I think it's it's different with the uh, with the Raptors because the Raptors can get really really hot, sort of like Denver. Um, the Raptors can yeah. start cooking, and I don't I don't see the Bucks being that. Like the Bucks have a style, and they're depending on players that you you're not really dependable. I mean. But the Raptors, they've shown that they can get hot in clutch situations and carry it just by their shooting. So I think even if they did were to go down 3-0, I don't think it'll be over. It'll definitely be tougher. But they do. 3-0, 3-1 isn't over for the Raptors. I do think it's over for the Bucks, but not the Raptors just because they're one of the, the leaders in three-point shooting. and They can get hot multiple games in a row. Very true. All right, man. That's what I got. Uh, you want to plug anything before we get out? Nah, man, just be sure to just go to the website, www.2smartnetwork. Check out all our social media feeds. You can check us out on Facebook, uh, Bobby Reed or 2 Smart Network, and then on Instagram, at 2 Smart Network, for all updates on upcoming shows. Cool. And check out Read Me. Uh, if you guys are looking for your basketball fix every morning, uh, I know you, you run through the through the highlights and uh, and the scores each uh, after each week so or each day. So check it out, man. All right, but that's this it. That's it. That's all. Peace. Peace.